With churches across the nation gradually getting smaller, it's no question that the way that we're doing ministry doesn't seem to be working. And so what I want to do today is go back and look at how the apostles did ministry, and particularly the attitude that Paul had and the way that he did ministry, and the very flexible way uh, that he approached ministry to help show us how we can reach lost people and, and the kind of attitude that we need to have when approaching any kind of ministry work. So the passage I'm going to use today comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And Paul was writing this letter at a time when there was a lot of tension between the Jews and the Gentiles. Whereas the Jews were still following the Mosaic law, the Gentiles were saying that they could be Christians, they could be believers without having to follow Moses' law. And so there was tension between these two different groups of people, which is very relatable in our culture today about two different groups of people uh, coming against each other because of different beliefs and there being tension in the midst of it. So I think this is very fitting and applicable for us today. But let's look at how Paul addressed this this issue and how he ministered to both Jews and Gentiles during this time. So again, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I'm going to begin reading at verse 19. Paul says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews I became like a Jew, to win the Jews. To those under the law I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. This is the attitude that Paul approached his ministry with. So I want us to unpackage this a little bit and see what we can learn from it. First, he uses the phrase in verse 19 that he has made himself a slave to everyone. He's made himself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. So what does he mean by that? Well, what Paul is talking about here is that he is taking his own desires, his own preferences, and he is setting them aside in order to do what is necessary to reach those who do not know Christ. He's saying, this isn't about me. I'm not going to do what I prefer. I am going to do whatever is necessary to win people for Christ. 
And this is the first thing we see about flexible ministry, is that it involves setting aside our own preferences for the sake of other people. Because we all have different preferences. We all have things we like, and we all have things we don't like. But in order to reach people, you have to meet them where they're at. And in order to go to where they are, sometimes you have to set aside things that make things that you prefer and put yourself in uncomfortable situations. Do things that don't really come naturally to you. My wife and I, over this past week, we've been watching a lot of videos about the uh, Myers Briggs 16 different personalities. Um, and we took the personality tests years ago. Um, but one of the videos popped up in our YouTube recommended, and we watched it. And down the rabbit hole we went of watching all these different videos. But it's always fun and interesting because, you know, there's it's the idea that there's different personality types and they can be divided into 16 different groups. And these videos that we're watching will show how someone in each of those different personality types will respond to a particular situation. And it's always really fun when it gets to one that matches our personality and we see how that person interacts in that situation because it's easy to see ourselves in that. It kind of makes you go, yeah, that's me. That's exactly how I would respond in that situation. And we kind of laugh about it. And it's really fun and interesting because I have one of those personalities that likes to set goals far in advance. And I'll have spreadsheets and I'll have to-do lists and I'll know what I'm doing way ahead of when I do it. And please do not interrupt me as I try to do what I want to accomplish. And I've given this a lot of thought and I know what I'm doing. That's the kind of personality that I am naturally. My wife is very much not like that. She's more of a free spirit, um, which helps her to be able to focus on whatever's going on right in front of her and say, this is the most important thing right now. This is going to have my full attention instead of being distracted by things that she wants to do later. And that allows her to be a much more empathetic person than I am. And we married each other. And because we're so different in personality, We've sometimes had to set aside what we would prefer to do in a certain situation in order to be mindful and empathetic to the other person and say, you know what, this isn't comfortable for me, but because I love you, I care about you, I want us to have a happy, healthy marriage, I'm going to set aside uh, what is natural for me to do in order to do what is best for us. And... That's why sometimes I don't like um, people that get really into the different personalities theme because sometimes they can use it as an excuse to justify their behavior where they say, well, you know, that's just kind of the personality that I have, so that's just how I act and you just kind of have to deal with it. That's not a great mentality to have. That shows a lot of immaturity and it takes maturity then to realize, okay, this isn't what is natural for me but it's what's best, and so I'm going to do it because it's best, even though it's not what I prefer to do. And so that is sometimes what is necessary, and that's the same attitude that Paul is approaching his ministry with. He's saying, you know what? 
this may not be what is natural for me. This may not be what I prefer. This isn't, you know, a lot of these people, they don't believe what I believe. But I will do what is necessary to go to them where they're at because it's about them right now, not about me. And sometimes we have to be willing to do that. If we're going to be involved in any kind of ministry, we have to be willing to do that, to be able to set ourselves aside for a little bit in order to reach different people. I've been kind of wrestling with something personally um, that I'd like to share because it goes along with this. I don't like social media. I, I oftentimes don't see the point of it. I don't care to see all these different photos of your life and to sit online and comment back and forth about the photo that you shared. I, that's not appealing to me. I'm not interested in that. I don't care to make my life public for everybody to see. I, I don't want that kind of fame and, and recognition. I just want to, you know, keep my head down and, and do what I think is best and uh, go from there. And if nobody notices... That's fine with me because, again, I like my plans to be uninterrupted. So just let me do my thing. That's the way I am. And I was talking to somebody on Sunday that kind of has that same mentality, um, but a, a bit stronger of a perspective on it because he was talking about how a lot of people online can be very, honestly, just mean to one another. They're very rude. They're hateful. Some of the you know, things that people will post and uh, comments on people's pages and on their pictures and posts and things like that are just extremely hateful. And so that person like me has said, you know what, I'm just not going to, I'm just not going to use it at all. I'm just going to separate myself from it. And this is something that I've been struggling with because a lot of these social media platforms is where the majority of people are in the world. And what I really don't want to happen is for Christians across the nation to say, you know what, this isn't full of positive energy, this isn't full of my Christian values, and so I'm just going to not be a part of it at all. And for all of those Christians to then leave those platforms... Because if they all leave that platform, then they are no longer able to influence the people that are there. And a lot of the times, the people who do stay are some of those meaner Christians that like to argue with people, or some of those oversaved people that make things uh, religious when people weren't having a religious conversation. And that turns people off to Christianity as well. And so I don't want those to be the only people left. I don't want that to be the sole representation of my faith in some of the most populated places across the internet. But it's still difficult for me. It's difficult for me to go online and post something or share something that I find is meaningful. But that's where people are. And so I've been thinking lately that it's time for me to set aside my own preferences a little bit and go to where the people are 
in order to win them for Christ. And I'm not really sure how to go about doing that, but I've kind of come to the conclusion that it's something that I need to be working on. And for me to be able to do that, it's necessary for me to set aside my own preferences to go and meet people where they are. But if we're going to have any kind of flexible ministry, that's something that we have to be able to do. We have to overcome those selfish tendencies that we have that want to put us in whatever place is most comfortable for us, be able to get over that and do the work that God is calling us to do. Flexible ministry involves setting aside our preferences for the sake of others, to do what Paul did where he says, you know, I've become a slave to everyone in order to win as many as possible. He then goes on in that passage to talk about how to the Jews he became like a Jew, to the Gentiles he became like a Gentile, to those who were weak he uh, made himself weak, he became weak. And he says, I became all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. And I want to point out that as Paul is doing this, as he's becoming like a Jew or like a Gentile or making himself weak, that his beliefs aren't changing. And we see that in the little uh, parentheses that are in this passage. At least in my Bible, it has a parentheses there. For instance, when he says, I became like one under the law, and then in parentheses it says, though I myself am not under the law. I, and then later, I became like one not having the law. And then in parentheses, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. So here we see what Paul is doing. He is not changing his beliefs. He's not saying, well, when I went to minister to those who are under the Mosaic law, I believed that that was necessary for my life, that I had to live under that Mosaic law. That's not what he's saying. He's still recognizing that he is free in Christ, no longer under that Mosaic law, but he changes the lifestyle that he lives in order to meet those people where they are at so that he can be welcomed in among with them and can begin to speak God's truth to them. So he would change his lifestyle without changing what he actually believed. This is another aspect of flexible ministry, is that it involves changing the approach, but not the person. So you're not changing who you are. You're not changing what you believe, but you recognize that in order to win people for Christ, you have to meet them where they're at. And sometimes that means changing our approach, changing what is natural for us, changing the way that we live so that we can meet with them. Again, it's not changing the person, it's changing the approach. Jesus himself did that in his own ministry. He was always among sinners, sitting with sinners, going into their homes and eating meals with them. And that was one of the things that the Pharisees criticized him about. They said, why are you eating with all of these unbelievers? Why do you dine with sinners? Jesus says, well, it's not the healthy who need the doctor, it's the sick. And it was a big deal in that culture to go into the home 
of someone else. Oftentimes it was saying that you agreed with their lifestyle. Now, Jesus wasn't saying that he agreed with their lifestyle. He wasn't saying that their sin was okay. He wasn't saying, well, you know what? It's not a big deal. Um, we're, we can't all just be buddies. You know, why can't we all just get along? That's not what he was doing. But he was doing what the rest of the culture was not willing to do, which was to go to where the unbelievers were and sit and eat with them and talk with them so that he could then share his beliefs with them. He could share the truth, what he knew to be true. He could share that with them. And if all he had to do was go into their homes and eat a meal with them in order to be able to do that, then that was worth it. And that's the kind of mentality that we need to have, the kind of approach we should have when it comes to ministry, is being able to say, what is required for me to share the truth with this person? And as long as it doesn't go directly against what I believe, as long as I don't have to, you know, as long as I don't have to sin in order to do that, I'll be willing to do it to meet them where they're at. For instance, if I was invited to teach a Bible study at a church, and for whatever reason, this church had the weirdest, most insane ideas that they wanted me to follow. And they said, you know, Zach, before you come and preach at a Bible study, we want you to dress up like a clown and walk backwards everywhere you go. Because we believe that if you don't wear those clown shoes and if you're not walking backwards, that the devil will devour your feet. <laughs> that would be ridiculous. It'd be absolutely crazy. But would I then say, no, that's wrong, that's stupid, I'm not going to, I, I, you know, I'm going to blow the whole thing off because that's just ridiculous. I'm not going to do that. Or would I be willing to say, you know what, if that's what it takes to go and share the word of God with these people, isn't it worth it to just throw on some clown shoes and walk backwards for one day? Isn't that worth it? Isn't the ministry of bringing these people to Christ, isn't that so much important than whether or not I look ridiculous? Isn't that more important? Doesn't that matter so much more? Of course I will be willing to do that. As much as I disagree with it, right? I'm not saying that I say, well, boy, I never thought of it like that. I guess you're right. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, you know what? If that's what you require, if that's what's necessary to spread the word of God, then that's what I'll do. So that's a silly abstract idea. Now let's make it a little more down to earth and a lot more personal. What if the church requires you to wear a mask? And you're in a place where there's no longer the mask mandate? Maybe for me personally, I, you know, they say it's a Bible study full of young, healthy people who have all been vaccinated, but they want me to wear a mask. And they want everyone in there to wear a mask. I might personally believe that if we're all young, all healthy, all vaccinated, then it is not just silly, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's pointless to have to wear a mask at that point. That might be my opinion, 
if it comes down to being able to minister to people, isn't it worth it? Isn't it worth it? Not changing the person, not changing what I believe, but changing the approach so that I can meet people where they're at. And if we're going to have a flexible ministry, then that's the approach that we need. We need to be more concerned about reaching people than we are about being validated. About having everybody believe what we believe. About having our own views accepted by other people before we even begin talking to them about Christ. Well, if you already agree on everything, then there's no point having that discussion in the first place. You already agree. We aren't doing ministry to win Christians to Christ. We're doing ministry to win lost people to Christ. And that means there's going to be difference of opinion. And if we want to meet people where they're at, sometimes we have to be willing to change our approach. Again, not to the point where we're doing something we know to be sinful, but if it's not sinful, why not? If it's not wrong, why not be willing to do it if it provides you an opportunity to minister in the name of Christ? Be more concerned about the people, the souls that need God, than about validating your own opinions and preferences. That's what we learn from Paul. Despite what he believed, he was willing to be like them in order to win them for Christ. And then at the end of this chapter, he leaves us with a warning where he talks about all that run in a race. Not everybody gets the prize. Only one person gets the prize. So discipline yourself. He talks about how he beats his own body. I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. This is another very important thing to remember if we're going to take this approach of flexible ministry is to do what Paul does where he keeps a close eye on his own character. He says, you know what? I'm ministering to these people, but I don't want to get to a place where I have so far removed myself from everything that I do believe that I no longer believe it. I want to always keep myself in check and make sure that what I'm doing still aligns with what Scripture says and that I do not fall off that narrow path. I need to make sure that I keep an eye on myself. And if we're going to be involved in flexible ministry, we have to make sure that we have persistent self-discipline. Flexible ministry involves persistent self-discipline. Saying, I need to make sure that no matter what I do or where I go, that my life still lines up with the Word of God. That the way that I live is still in line with God's will for my life. And that's not something that happens once. You don't just reach that goal, reach that um, standard for your life and say, well, I've made it now. Now I can just focus entirely on other people's relationships with God. No, we have to remember to keep up that work 
in our own life. When I first started cooking, I learned something really quick, which is if I put the pan on the stove, turn the heat on, that there was a step between the pan heating up and me putting an egg into that pan. And it's a very important step, which is you have to spray that pan down so that the egg isn't going to stick to the pan. And, you know, you can put butter in there and swirl it around, or I, I usually just use the cooking spray. But if you don't use that, then the egg's going to stick to the pan. I learned that very quickly uh, when I first started cooking. And here's the thing about that step. It's a step you have to do each and every time. Even if you heat the pan up, spray it down, cook one egg, you know, put the egg on the plate. If you go to cook another egg, you have to spray it down again. And after you're all done cooking, you need to clean that pan so that you can use it again. And those steps of spraying it down and washing it are steps that you can't ever get to the point where you neglect it. It's something you have to continue to do each and every time you use the pan. It's the same thing when it comes to our own relationship with God and doing ministry. If we're going to be going out and doing ministry, especially, and this applies to everyone, whether or not they're doing any kind of ministry. And just as a side note, when I'm talking about ministry, I'm not just talking about full-time ministry. I'm talking about what each and every believer is called to do, which is to go into the world and make disciples. That means that no matter who you come across, that you are concerned about whether or not they know Christ. That doesn't mean you're starting starting up God conversations out of the blue that are going to scare people away from the faith. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that you are doing everything that you can to be a representative of, of representative of Christ in the world that you live in so that you can bring others into a relationship with God. And you do that throughout whatever, whatever life you are living, something we're all called to do. That's the kind of ministry I'm talking about. And when you're doing that ministry, even if you're not doing that kind of ministry, your relationship with God is something that requires a lot of hard work, a lot of persistent self-discipline. But it becomes so much more important when you are doing ministry. Because if you're doing ministry the way that Paul does ministry, where he's working with people that share different views than him, it becomes so much more important for him to make sure that he's not falling away from the faith. And the same thing applies to us. Because later on in 1 Corinthians, over in chapter 15, he points something out that we have to remember when we're doing this ministry. It's in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. It says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. And so if we are going to do the kind of ministry that Paul did, the kind of ministry that Jesus did, where we are placing ourselves in uncomfortable situations, and we're going and being with people who do not share the values of God, we are placing ourselves 
in bad company. And if we're not careful, that can corrupt our good character. So it doesn't mean we stop doing the ministry. It means that we continue to check ourselves and make sure that we are in line with God's word to practice the art of persistent self-discipline. We cannot neglect our own faith journey while doing ministry or else that bad company could corrupt us and could end up pulling us away from God and the life that God wants to give us. So we have to always be watchful of that. So these are the points I want us to get about flexible ministry. That it involves setting aside our preferences for the sake of others, which we do by overcoming our selfish tendencies. That flexible ministry involves changing the approach, but not the person. And we do that by being more concerned about reaching people than about being validated. And it also involves persistent self-discipline, which we do by not neglecting our own faith journey while doing ministry. So in all of this, I want us to see that we need to let God work through us and in us instead of always doing things our own way. Instead of just following our own preferences, what we want to happen, what we're comfortable with, we have to let God work in our hearts and let him work through us, leading us into his kingdom work so that we can do what he has called us to do by winning souls for Christ, bringing people into a relationship with Christ, sharing the gospel message, that good news with all people. So, this has been another Sermon in the Pocket. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope that um, you're able to learn a lot from this and from the life of Paul and Jesus. If you have any questions or comments about anything I've talked about, feel free to contact me either through the Facebook page or um, emailing me directly at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. And as always, I encourage you to share this with family and friends to get the message out there. So thank you again for listening, and I pray that God will bless you as you go throughout your day.